Hello, and welcome back to Creators Chat, episode 14, in which we will be discussing the crazy popular request of AI art. Yay. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun one. Um, <laughs> we actually had to make some notes this time, which is fairly rare for us. Um, but we just, there's so much to cover here. And we're going to lose like 10,000 followers because <laughs> whatever opinion we have is yeah, probably no, wrong. Yeah, no, it's just like, no, go, bye. <laughs> anyway. But hey, controversial um, stuff is fun. Yeah. So, I mean, there is so much to say about this and you probably, like us, were not really particularly aware of it um, more than any just kind of abstract thing until about two weeks ago <laughs> when suddenly everyone and their dog is using AI to make art. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. And so we were like, well, let's hop on that bandwagon before it leaves and uh, do a video on kind of everything we currently think and feel about AI. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. will, unless you... No, it sounds great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. This is this is cool. I did get I did get a slight start before two weeks ago because Nvidia had this like little program you could download. Yeah. And it kind of had like some basic colors or whatever. So you painted in like a color that was like mountains and one that was grass, and it would like generate like a little AI image. But they were never that great. You couldn't ah. like specify an artist. You could pick like okay. some styles. I didn't even notice. But the results <laughs> were just like never that cool. Like I like the idea of it, but the results were never like, oh, I could use this for something. It was always like, ah, oh, that's nifty, and I'm sure in like 20 years it'll be fine. Nice. But um, yeah, it was only when I started seeing the stuff on Instagram of people doing mid-journey stuff that it was like, oh my god, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's that's actually really cool art. So um, that's when I really became aware of, oh, AI has gotten there, you know, enough Suddenly, to do something. Suddenly, overnight it felt. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it seems the same to me. It was kind of not something at all, my awareness. Uh, I think I had heard people talking about it and I thought they were silly, just kind of edge case people who just, you know, sit in basements and that's a bit judgmental of me. But I was like, yeah, no, it's like not. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a good basement, but you always I, say that because you're English and you people don't have basements. Cellars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> basement. Um, so yeah, we kind of. I didn't think too much of it. I thought that if it was going to be a thing, it was going to be a very bad, uninteresting like thing, and then. Suddenly I saw people that I really admired doing insanely good stuff with it. And I was like, what is this? Hold your horses. And so here we are. We've pretty much spent the last two weeks just in a bit of an investigative blur, trying different things, different AIs, def different ways of using them, um, different ways of incorporating them into our workflow. We've spoken to different people about how they feel about things. And we're just kind of here to just give like a summary, I guess, um, a starting point for those of you who are just getting a bit confused and overwhelmed by all this stuff. Um, I'm hoping it would be some comfort to a lot of people. I've had conversations with people who are a bit freaked out mm, by all this stuff. A lot of them. Um, and with good reason, it's scary. Um, I don't think we need to be afraid. And I'm hoping that even if you don't want to use AI in your workflow, that watching this video will kind of provide you some comfort and mm. maybe some hope for how you can move forward and not be like trampled by all this stuff. So yeah, we're gonna just yeah. cover pretty so much gonna, everything. So we're gonna start with mid-journey, right? Yeah. All right, so we got into the nice little beta they're doing right now. And um, why don't you go ahead and describe how mid-journey works? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a Discord-based AI bot, essentially. And I was a bit confused at first. You basically issue a command or like a prompt at it. You give it a subject and tell it what to do to it. And it will take your words and slowly produce an image, but not very slowly, like within a minute. You can have four options for a piece of art. Uh, it's pretty easy to use. Once you've got the hang of you know, how to do the, the prompt, it's really, really easy. There's a lot of nuance to wording, but we can get into that later. Um, it's very user-friendly. Mm. And because it's based on Discord, most of the people you, who are using it, you can use it for free as long as you're doing it publicly, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so there is a huge community of people just sitting away, <laughs> pumping their, art, their words into it, and their art's pumping out of it. And mm. it's interesting because there's a very, because of that, there's a great user learner's base. Right. And people are just kind of scrolling through and seeing what other people are doing and picking yeah. it up quickly. And it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. That's, that's what I did when I first got in there. I was just super confused because I felt like there was something about wording that I needed to figure out. So I just scrolled through what people were doing for a while. And some people were getting awful results. And some people were getting these really cool images. And, um, and that was kind of a good lesson in how how to word things um, because, yeah, you start analyzing what prompts these people are using and you start to notice patterns of everyone's kind of using similar words and key phrases and yeah. stuff. So. And as a total AI noob, I was like, oh, this mid-journey thing is brand new and it's the only AI and it's, and then I realized that, oh my gosh, no, there's actually quite a lot of them already. I've missed out on earlier versions like um, Wumbo, is it? Mm. Uh, I don't think you used that one. I played with that a bit, um, but I think people have been using for a little while now, mm. for months, and I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and basically there's this whole range of them, and I was like, where did this come from? I live under a rock. Yeah. Um, we do. So then we, after playing with Midjourney for a little bit, we were starting to learn the quirks of it, the limitations of it, what it can and can't do. Um, and you came across Disco Diffusion. Would you yeah. like to talk about that briefly? Yeah, so Disco Diffusion seemed a little bit more impenetrable, I guess. Um, it felt a little bit weirder. There wasn't like a nice little like beta you sign up for. Uh, the official link or whatever for it was this Google Colab notebook that you clone into your own folder and then run these programs through I guess a cloud-based computer that you rent for free because I guess you get to rent a little bit for free. I don't know. I'm enough of a nerd that I can kind of sort of get these things, but it was still like, well, this is going to be confusing and hard, and I don't know what it's going to do, so I'll figure that out some other time. <laughs> uh, so I delayed that forever. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and figure this thing out and read some stuff and just... Yeah, and so I, I went through the little Google Colab notebook and I was like, oh, it actually works. And at the end of it, it spits out an image and it was pretty cool. Um, I gave it a pretty cool prompt and it gave me a pretty decent image. Um, so at that point, I realized I didn't really want to keep using this weird notebook thing. I wanted some way to just run it on my own computer. Um, thankfully, you know, past Noah bought us both NVIDIA graphics cards like a few years ago. Um, so we can do that. And they're not the most powerful, but they're good enough to do what we need to do here. And so I spent a couple hours uh, asking other people how to do this and was told how to do this. And so I managed to get like this both installed on our computers and it's super cool and it's super easy. 
Uh, and you basically like edit this um, settings file, run the program through a little command line prompt, and it generates images for you. And there's way to ways to like automate it and customize it. And unlike Midjourney, there's a million like super technical but also really vague settings mm -hmm. that nobody really knows what they do. And sometimes you just break the program if you just go too high with these numbers. It's like you know, for instance, some of them are like, yeah, it's anywhere from one to twenty thousand. But you can also put a million in there, and you never know. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a strange program, but it's really cool. Uh, it because it has so many nitty-gritty features and stuff there are certain results that we found that you can get in one program better than others and there's kind of strengths and weaknesses um, to what they do do you want to get into that now or yeah, is that, or so, is that a later? I mean we can give that as an overview we don't need to be like reviewing each type of AI we're, right. we've been using but as an overview um, I don't think there's any fear of us being immediately replaced so let's start with that there's mm -hmm. like will AI replace artists I'm in the camp of never, no matter how good this stuff gets, but we will get onto that later. Um, at the moment, the stuff it produces is undeniably awesome and extremely elaborate and sometimes just like, wow. Um, but <laughs> no one could post it in their portfolio and claim they painted it themselves. Yeah. It is kind of iconic. It has a look to it that's instantly recognizable, even at thumbnail scale. No matter what modifiers you're putting in, it produces this kind of uh, weird... It's like the uncanny valley of yes. art. Yeah, right. Of like, it looks like the thing, but if you actually look at it, it doesn't look like anything. No. Um, which is kind of a cool lesson in art in general, that oh, yeah. if you just like get the fundamentals of a subject matter, you don't actually have to paint it right, and it somehow still looks this like is, it. I don't this know, has been really fascinating to me. I actually might do some AI studies. Um, because it is absolutely blowing my mind that I can spend 40 hours accurately drawing something and the final image doesn't look as good, doesn't look like as strong of a painting mm -hmm. as the AI is spitting out and it's just got like flesh mounds <laughs> instead of human beings and it still looks more convincing. Yeah. I'm like, how? <laughs> They're like these kind of macabre, yeah. horrifying, yeah. homunculi of human yeah. beings yeah. and yet they totally read as human beings yeah. and I'm like that's super so weird. interesting um, but that's a bit of a tangent so basically they are producing really solid images but not final artwork right. um, so I think like especially around human beings or anything anything precise it struggles mm. with so yeah. humans it's almost hopeless um, animals that are a bit creepy, um, specific Any objects. Functioning mechanical things. Oh yeah, no. Definitely not. Um, I generated some vases and they have some really cool designs, but they're usually sort of asymmetrical and off-centered and lopsided. Yeah. And Architecture is, again, kind of surreal, yeah. twisted. Perspective yeah. and depth don't work no. great. It's pretty hard to get an image with good perspective in it. Mm -hmm. I find that in uh, Disco Diffusion, I'm able to get a little bit better with that. But yeah. even then, it doesn't have great perspective or depth in right. most of the cases. And it tends to prefer like a centered composition, just kind of looking straight at something. Mm -hmm. No, like I haven't had any success no. so far messing with the camera angle. So yeah. there are certainly limitations. Um, that said, what it can do for me personally, it's been revolutionary and just quickly bashing out ideas. So I am not 
never have been and likely never will be a concept artist. I love the slow, noodly rendering part of the process I always have done and I often sulk through the whole designing phase, the concept phase, it just isn't where I'm happy. Mm. And that's held me back from doing a lot of artwork. I have great ideas and then I just realise I don't know how to translate that idea into an awesome painting and I often lose my way on things. This is almost like having a virtual concept artist right. working with me. I just put some words in. I'm like, I have this great idea for this thing. And they're like, how about this? And I'm like, that's cool, but not like that. And they're like, like this then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two hours later, yes. And so like that has absolutely changed everything for me because it's helped me find aesthetics. It's helped me bash ideas out quickly without this kind of multi-week long process of getting fed up with it and not understanding it and having to do the research. Um, it has been fantastic for thumbnailing and concepting for me. Um, for you, you've been actually doing finished sketches with it. Yeah, well, I mean, you say finished, but sketches, we'll say sketches. Um, yeah, because uh, I find often when I'm doing sketches, it's easy to get into a rhythm of there's a certain look to the sketches I do. There's a certain type of sketch that I do. And I kind of go back to those sort of same things. And it takes an active effort for me to mix that up and try new things, try new color palettes, new approaches to images, new forms, shapes, etc. And so that's often when I'm bringing in reference uh, into my sketching process. When I start you know, pulling in reference to be like, okay, I've never painted anything like this. I'm gonna start trying to use some influence from that in here. And that's kind of where the AI stuff has really helped me out is that I've started to put in these prompts and even though 99% of them are not exactly what I want to paint, uh, they give me a good spark of an idea of, oh, that's a sweet color palette or that's a great lighting setup or that's a really cool form and if I just tweaked a few things about it, it would look like a reasonable object or something. Yeah. Um, so there's things like that that I think are incredibly powerful for um, concepting for making sketches. It's kind of the same idea of like looking at clouds and picking out like animals and shapes and stuff like that in there. It mm -hmm. gives you like this messy noise. And as artists, I think you can just look at something like that, pick out the things and just make an image from it. Uh, it's not likely that you're going to do the exact same thing that somebody next to you is going to do with that same generated image either. Um, because you're all going to see different shapes, different forms, and have different priorities um, when you get that. So I think there, there's less of a fear about that, because I know that was one of your fears, is somebody types in the exact same prompt, gets a very similar image, and boom, they have the same painting as you. And I don't think it's quite as simple as that. Um, I think there's also just an immense amount of things that you can do with this. There's quite the range. Um, you know, We've generated thousands of images at this point, and it's incredible the range of different results you get. Um, one of the most powerful and interesting ones for me um, that I think Midjourney does an amazing job at is actually combining artist styles. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. When you boot up one of these things and start typing in your prompts, put in artist names. Otherwise, you're going to get these like weird, <laughs> kind of photographic, but not kind quite, of kind of 3D, 3D render, rendered. but not yeah. quite. It's, it's just like really creepy, uncanny Messy. valley. But you put yeah. it in artist, and it's like, oh yeah, we, we got you. Uh, this, is, this is great. Um, so, and Midjourney does a great job of combining multiple artists. So you can take um, Frank Frazetta and mash him together with Mooka, 
which is just super cool because yeah. that's not something you see too often. But you can just do it and you can mash any number of different like artists and start to get these influences. Be like, well, I like his you know forms, but I like his subtle values. And you just boom, smash those things together. And you can even part, start putting like image prompts in here so you can take an image and start doing it. And I think once you start doing all this kind of different stuff, approaching it from different angles, and again, you're making a lot of the choices here, I think you start to use it more as a tool and get these really cool results that I've just had a blast sketching with because I just kept cranking out ideas and ideas for this stuff. And it didn't take that much sketching to turn one of these kind of strange abstract renders into a perfectly viable sketch that looks like my work. Um, it just, it gets me somewhere interesting that I might not have made all those choices had I not had this as a starting point, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I've just had a blast with it. Yeah, I've been addicted to art in a way I don't think I ever have been. <laughs> it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. And I think it's important to try and see this as an opportunity. Mm. Um, I, I mean, when we talk about it, we keep talking about, you know, computers replacing mm -hmm. artists and artists versus the machines. And it's always like it's a competition, like it's one or the other. And I'm like, why on earth can't we just try and <laughs> all get along? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it really is exciting. It's mm -hmm. opening a lot of doors for a lot of people. I think that the classic thing we think of is like, but you know, what about, you know, I'm sitting here talking about how it's generating concepts for me. And it's like, well, what about concept artists? It's gonna replace concept artists. Mm -hmm. Someone like me would never hire concept artists to do this. Right. Um, this is not something that is taking away from the job pool. Um, it is making something that might otherwise be less attainable to me suddenly an option. And that's going to do that for a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people out there who have great ideas that they would love to bring to life, and they just can't for various reasons. And stuff like this is an opportunity to just, I don't know, just like take that step further. And it's not going to do it for them. But it is one extra thing. It's just mm. another tool. And uh, I think that's something we should be excited about, not scared about. But we will we'll move on to that when we're kind of like getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, kind of wanted to bring it back to, unless do you have anything to, to no, add no. before I take it back? Um, take it back to, you know, ways of using this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so we've covered, um, you know, thumbnailing concepts, uh, using them in sketches and exploring different ways of working. Um, I've actually been experimenting with taking a final painting, like based, sorry, taking it to a final painting. Um, I'm going to be releasing a video later this week, hopefully, about how I did my most recent painting using that. Um, literally just painting over the image it generated. Uh, since then, um, and this is a little bit involved, they, there are different ways you can generate an image, especially in mid-journey. You generate these little like previews, they're tiny, they're like 300 pixels wide or something but they generate these tiny preview images and then you can choose to upscale them and turn that into like the painted version. And after a lot of experimentation, I found I actually just preferred the look of the tiny little ones. Um, they generally have like a lot more, they're much closer to my style than the blown up ones. So I have been taking the teeny tiny ones and like I've tried using AI upscalers and that mm. sometimes works nicely, um, not always. <laughs> uh, but I have been just painting over those teeny tiny little images and it's such a great starting point because it's usually taking me 20 hours to get to that point where I'm rendering shapes and forms. Um, it is by no means a replacement, so 
as I say, they're tiny. I think the largest image I've ever generated from AI is probably in the 1,000 pixels range. Um, if you want any kind of resolution on your image, this is it can't do it. Uh, so you have to you have to be able to upscale it yourself or use an AI upscaler. Um, and the other thing is, wait, no, sorry, my brain went blank. Okay, so we figured out <laughs> what it was I was going to say. Sorry about that. Um, talking about drawing as well. So even though like you have these images and they look fantastic and they read as really wonderful paintings, often when you actually go to paint them, the drawing makes no sense. There is no perspective. There are objects that are just clearly just not where they should be. Um, you know, sometimes I'll generate something and I'm like, that looks like a really gorgeous mountain in the background. And I'm like, wait, no, that was supposed to be a roof. And like, none of it actually makes sense. So, you know, it's not actually particularly easy to use. It's not, it's like, a, it's not a replacement. It's not even very much of a shortcut sometimes uh, because you then have to translate this image into something that means something. Mm. It usually takes a lot of like figuring it out, kind of almost like the artistic equivalent of calculating, like how can we make this image work without destroying the feel of the original? Um, so that can be... That can be a challenge as well. Mm. But uh, so we're still looking, I mean, I'm quite slow. My paintings generally take about 40, 50 hours when I actually like put some effort into them. Um, and the one I did last week was only 16 hours, which was great, but that was a very simple piece. Mm. And I'm working on some of the moment I've spent about 10 hours on, and I'm thinking I'm probably gonna spend at least another 20 hours on them. So it's not a replacement, it's not mm. a mental shortcut, but it is a fantastic ideation tool. Mm. You it said is. you had, Something to add? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there is another way to sketch as well that I've started playing with, especially with the Disco Diffusion, is that it lets you start with an initial image. So I tried making these like blobby sketches of like just like shapes, uh, just super basic color shapes, and then putting those in as the initial image with a nice prompt. And it basically takes your composition and does a piece based yep. on that which again is a great part of the sketching process of say you've got an idea in mind and you even got a composition in mind, you've done your thumbnails. You can sketch out that thumbnail basically in shapes, put it in there, let it render for a few minutes and you've got at least a pretty decent starting point for a way to accomplish that. Um, and you can even start running through several times, you know, do the sketch at night, throw it in there and let it render different variations all night and you've got you know, 50 different images to wake up to of different color and lighting schemes and even different art styles. And suddenly, you know, you're going to do your sketch and you've got all this base material um, to be inspired by. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And when you start taking a deeper dive into some of the settings, you can even tell it how closely to stick mm -hmm. to the original image. Uh, it's almost like there's multiple settings or target in either direction, which lets you really fine fine tune what it keeps and what it doesn't. Mm. Uh, it's really interesting. It has a lot of potential. It does take some time to learn, but there are a lot of good resources. If you go on uh, Discord, on uh, Reddit, each of these AI generally has like a good user base in Discord and Reddit. So you'll probably be able to find what you're looking for in terms of tutorials or just looking at other people's work. But yeah, it does. It takes some patience, and but it, it's really it's interesting. Mm. So yeah, I think we've probably, have we covered the like what and how? Yeah. Does that mean we move on to the, the scary, like, <laughs> the scary. scary stuff? They're like, okay. Yeah. Um, so our fears, um, obviously this has been a bit 
freaky for a lot of people because art is hard and it always has been and with each little thing that we acquire each pro each like step of progress each new technology art gets easier and <laughs> um, we were talking about this just last episode that uh you know the the things available to us the resources available to us are just growing and expanding and it means that the bar is ever increasing it's just mm. like the quality of work is always growing the number of people partaking is always growing and this is another significant step forward that's going to make it significantly easier for a significant number of people mm -hmm. it is a big deal and a lot of people who have invested you know 10 plus years of their life uh, if they were born in america usually tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on education mm -hmm. um, and suddenly it feels like there's going to be a generation of people coming up right underneath who didn't have to do any of that, who can just put words into a machine and art's done. And it's, it's yeah, it's like a shortcut. Mm. Um, and that's got a lot of people freaked out. People are saying, you know, it's already hard enough to find a job in this industry as it is without, you know, computers doing it for us. Right. Um, why should that person who has studied art for six months have the same opportunities I had when I had to put five years of study into doing the same thing? Um, there's a lot of people who are frightened and I don't think it's necessary. Um, so for a start, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Uh, every time there is a step forward in the art industry, something, a significant new program or like tool or like even paint back in the day, new pigments. Every time something comes along that makes artists' lives easier, it freaks people out because they're like, well, now it's going to be too easy. Now everyone's going to figure it out. Now it's going to be like everyone can do it. Um, and you end up with the like, battle of like, is this real art? Should this count? You get the purists versus the people who are using the thing. And it always generates a fight in the beginning. And then people usually settle down and all the people like we still have fine artists and that's kind of the thing is that the stuff that we've had so far like photo bashing did not replace fine artists and i think the same thing is happening where it's going to freak people out and blow it wide open and people are rightfully concerned that they're going to be replaced um and then i think when it settles down there will be a new band of people who use that as part of their workflow and the rest will carry on. <laughs> it's another, just another step. It's not to me any different from any of the other advances that we've had. Yeah, yeah, sorry. You're, you're I, good. I, I thought you were gonna keep going <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like there's, there's concerns, obviously. Like some of the results from this thing look pretty amazing. Uh, if you start like looking up AI art, it's pretty incredible what some people have made with this. Um, but does that alone mean that artists are just gone forever? Does that mean that like directors aren't going to need concept artists anymore because they're just going to type, you know, cool <laughs> concept? Uh, probably not. Um, like the demand for artists has grown an incredible amount in the last 20 years. Um, as so many more entertainment opportunities are there from games, movies, etc., uh, it's pretty amazing how things have grown like that. Uh, but at the same time, things have changed. 
like if you wanted to be an editorial artist now, there's dwindling opportunities for that. They still exist, but compared to the heyday of that, they're pretty minor. And that's kind of some of the shifts that just happen in the art world. And there's a decent chance that this will help make one of those shifts happen. Um, I think these tools are going to enable some artists that use them and capitalize on them to be way more productive mm -hmm. because they can sit there and crank out you know, twice as many concepts as they used to be able to, uh, which is pretty amazing. So obviously that would increase competition, but it's also going to increase the output of artists that suddenly um, you know, these artists that are incredible, that have worked really hard, are able to produce even more of that really good art. Um, and I think with that increase, there's probably going to be room for more and more stuff. There's an amazing amount of demand for entertainment right now. Uh, and the easier it gets, the less of like an entry requirement there is for new companies to do stuff like this. Because right. you know it's expensive to make concept. It's expensive to hire a team of concept artists sure. to develop your movie or your TV show. But every little step that makes it easier, sure, technically it like makes it easier for the artist. It kind of like, you know, there's that side of things. But because it gets easier, more people do it, and mm -hmm. then more jobs become available. So it kind of, yes, the competition increases, but then the market opens. And so I think, am I right that that would balance out? I don't yeah. know. I, I'm not Who knows? a predictor of markets. Hopefully. But um. yes, it's not just going to get people like out of jobs, yeah. it might create jobs too. Yeah, because I mean, it's kind of incredible what that increase in productivity could do for somebody. Because mm -hmm. now one guy sitting in his basement um, can suddenly produce a tremendous amount of art and could, you know, complete projects by themselves in like much shorter time than they would before. Mm -hmm. And that just opens up all sorts of opportunities where, you know, if you've got an idea and the desire, that suddenly you can produce enough work to fill books and fill, you know, galleries and stuff like that. Um, it it's amazing how much more output it enables mm -hmm. you to do. So I'm pretty hopeful about about that. Yeah. Let's talk also about um, story. And this is one of my big big counterpoints to everyone freaking out about being replaced. Is that story is like irreplaceably like massive and important to humans. Um, the ability to form meaning out of something, to connect with something. Um, story is, I think we spoke about it last week in the last video, um, story is massively underutilized and should be used more. But something that's happening here is like, yes, yeah, sure, like the volume of cool images being cranked out is going to increase. But the story that goes with that can't be replaced. Mm -hmm. And I think this is absolutely vital. And like, it's why people like you and I have a career, have a following, is that people like the story that goes behind it. Mm. So if there was no importance of story, it would all be studios and like big high budget things because they have so much power to do awesome things. They can do things way beyond the scope of a small independent artist. And you know, if it was just about how cool the images were, there would be no independent artists. It would only be studios. But because we love the story, like in everything, if we can connect with the story of somebody, 
then we will support them no matter what. Mm. <laughs> and that is, I think, one of the key ways that this is like not going to overthrow artists is that you can't replace the story aspect. Um, it's true that people will be cranking out images, but at the end of the day, they can't they can't create that story that artists have, the people making the art. But they can. Well, they might be able to type a story. I mean, there's like the, the AI stories, for one thing, and then there's the, you know, the fake influencers? Uh, yeah, okay. So that's the thing. But they just make these like fake people, <laughs> and then you like AI generate stories around them. Right. <laughs> and they will get some people who are like, hell yeah, but they'll also have a huge amount of people who are like, I hate that, that's creepy, it's not right. right. And that in itself is a story. It's the desire to connect with real humans or mm. whatever. And that side will always be there. Mm. So yeah, I think, and this is the thing, I think we tend to think of it as like push and pull, like it's like a zero sum game. Either they have the people or we have the people. Mm. And like, you can have both. Um, so yeah, I think story story's huge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually one of the ways I think that if you are freaked out by this stuff and you don't want to use it, I think that's one of the major ways to push back against it. Um, we will talk about that more when we've continued. Have we got anything else actually to mention on the, oh yeah, so um, you know, the fear that these images will replace artists and that um, you know, the skills are going to become redundant. I just, I just don't think that's true um, mm. because it's true that the images are really awesome. But I know firsthand from using it that I can get a really awesome image that's nothing like what I imagined it was going to be. Um, I'm like, that's awesome, but it's wildly wrong. And I think even when this stuff gets smarter, mm. it's going to be like, it's going to be consistent that you know, you have an idea for something, you run it through the machine, it gets a really cool answer, but it's not the answer. Mm. And we're always going to need people who can translate that into a client's vision. That mm. in, it's still, in itself is still the core role of a concept artist, mm. is to take what you've got and mold it into the client's vision. Yeah. And that will remain, because they'll have all this cool stuff they instantly generate, but it will take an artist's eye to not just spit out the, you know, auto-generated stuff, but to make that fit what the brief was, mm. that translation skill is still extremely valuable. So oh I think yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I've been noticing lately is is people are freaked out about this because you know they think it's going to replace artists and stuff, and they're going to it's going to make art so easy that it's going to be such a powerful tool that you know there's going to be no more artists because anybody could make art. And I think the thing that I always and telling people these days is that there are other creative fields that don't have the barrier to entry that mm -hmm. art does. Like painting and drawing is super hard. Not only is it hard like mechanically, like technically, but it's also really hard because all the mental game behind it and all of the like knowledge you have to have and the sheer amount of practice you have to do to get an, a, a passable image. Like doing a passable portrait takes years. Uh, it's it's really really technically hard. It's it's an incredible barrier to entry, and other creative fields don't have that. Like a photographer, for instance, it probably you could probably learn most of the technicalities of photography to get by in about a week, and and that doesn't mean that it's a worse creative field because there's still an incredible range between photographers. Absolutely. Like an average person with their iPhone is still going to be different than an incredible photographer with an iPhone. 
Um, beyond all those technical things, there's still all the other creative stuff that's going into it. So even though that barrier to entry barely exists in photography, there's still a creative field for it. And there's still a professional field for it. There's still a tremendous number of photographers working. Um, so I think just because AI might make art way easier to do and might enable a lot more people to make art, I don't think it's just necessarily just going to destroy the field of art no. entirely. I think what it will do is place a demand on the skills that are away from that stuff. So if suddenly there are millions of people calling themselves artists by generating like AI art pieces, what it will do is create an abundance of that particular looking artwork that, mm -hmm. like I said, that weird strandy, uncanny kind <laughs> of stuff. The, like, it's just going to become oversaturated with that kind of thing. And then like once the initial wave of excitement about that passes, it will be the skills that are beyond that that gets treasured. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like, um, you remember when <laughs> face filters and stuff first became mm -hmm. a thing? And you know when we first saw them, we were like fooled by them. We were like, wow, that makes me look amazing. Uh, that dog ear one, that just, like, makes me look really cute. Um, the thing is, we've seen that for a while now, and we can instantly tell when someone's filtering their photos. It's like, yeah. and we groan at it. Like for those of us who, I mean, I still use them. Um, but I like, I try and tone them down because I don't want to have these mental, extremely edited looks. I'm, I'm just like, I'll be caught instantly and people right. will know that I'm doing it. It feels dishonest. Um, it feels creepy and uncanny sometimes. And so it's created this kind of counterculture where mm. we no longer like that stuff mm. or there's like negativity associated with it because it's easy, because it's like, it's like a shortcut and everyone's got access to it. So it kind of cheapens it, I guess. Um, but like, you know, there's still like a high end market for people, like for celebrities and stuff, like the mm. airbrushing is still a thing, like magazine editing and like in uh, film and stuff and augmented reality and that all still exists, but it produces like a counter movement. And I expect a similar thing will happen where mm. we have the you know the market as it is being flooded with AI images that are instantly recognizable and become kind of cheesy and boring. Once the fad passes, it's like, oh, okay, well, it's just another AI piece. And then we'll start saying, it's just another AI piece. Anyone could do that. I don't care about it. I don't value it. And what happens is it's the artists who are using that in different, interesting, new ways, the ones who are painting over them or you know, using it to generate their own concepts that then they paint separately without even touching the sketch. They just, you know, use it as reference or something. Those people will still be incredibly treasured and valued mm. because that skill is not easy. Right. So yeah, I think that's still, does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. It feels Absolutely. like this is very like theoretical. Well, yeah. Episode. We're just I mean, rambling our thoughts Nobody out has the answers because nobody can really know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I think it's probably just going to be a tool and I think it's probably going to be pretty great. Mm -hmm. um, like I saw the rise of photo bashing in the concept art world and people freaked out yeah. when they saw a photo. They thought it was terrible. <laughs> they thought it was cheating. They thought anyone who did photo bash was awful. They tried to destroy people's career based on it. Uh, it was it was awful. Messy. And now photo bashing is like, well, yeah, of course <laughs> I'd put some photo texture in there. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you? It's <laughs> great. It's an easy you know, technique yeah. to solve problems. And uh, people who don't do it aren't like being trampled. Yeah. There is a huge number of extremely famous, successful, happy artists not using it. Oh, and sure. the, the presence of photo bashing has not destroyed their careers yeah. at all. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, did we want to talk about the whole like legal problems? 
as yeah, a potential this fear? Yeah, interesting to me. And this is another one that I'm like, if you're using this stuff, try not to just spit out images and call it a day. Like, try and find ways of creatively using sure. it. I was actually reading earlier, I saw someone had, it was on the Disco Diffusion uh, subreddit, I think, and someone was sharing an artwork they'd created and they watermarked it with their signature. And the comments were just full of people kicking off because they're like, you have no right to watermark mm. that, you don't own that image. Mm. And there was a big old battle going on with, you know, they're like, yes, I do own this image, I made it, this image right. would not exist without my input and the right. hours I spent tweaking the prompt. Right. And they're like, but that wouldn't exist without the company hosting all this stuff. If they were to take it down tomorrow, you'd never be able to make another piece of art again. There's a big old battle going on here about who owns the like the intellectual property. Sure. Uh, and that's just one side. I know there's more we can get into. But um, I think that if you are using this stuff, try not to become dependent on it as a replacement for your skills. Um, try to make it such that if you suddenly didn't have access to it tomorrow, your career falls out from underneath you. Right. Um, and try to make your work look distinct from the stuff it's spitting out by default. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, you know, if companies do start pushing any kind of control over the images being created with their tools, you don't want to find that you've created this kind of livelihood around <laughs> spitting out images you no longer have any rights to that they can right. take and print and share and yeah. ban you from printing and yeah. all kinds of things like that. So yeah, um, yeah, I'd encourage you to use it as a tool, not as a replacement. Yeah. Um, I guess the other side of that is um, artist styles. Yeah, so I think, honestly, with all due respect to these uh, AI art generating companies, they are asking to get sued. Somebody is totally going to sue them. Yeah. Um, because they're training these algorithms clearly based on art that they didn't ever ask any permission for. No. I know this because my art is in a bunch of them. You didn't get paid <laughs> my, for any of my that. My name is in a bunch of them. And I nope. think it's great because yeah. I think it's super cool that somebody can type in, you know, something by Noah Bradley and it makes an image that's kind of sort of almost like something I'd make. I think it's great. Um, but somebody is totally going to sue them <laughs> uh, because you probably can't really do that because they're kind of sort of making derivative work and they don't really probably yeah. have the rights to it. But I don't think there's been a lawsuit about it yet, and that's going to be some messy lawsuit, but somebody's probably going to make millions of dollars, yeah. and then it's probably going to change the whole AI art generating scene. Yeah. But at the same time, I'd love it if these things got good enough that you could just upload you know, your gallery of art, and just it could be your own private tool yeah. and you just type in your stuff and it makes art in your style That'd be like nice. that alone would just be yeah. super cool so i don't know where they're going to go from here but they're probably going to get sued and that'll be fun yeah. to watch um yeah. so yeah don't necessarily rely on it um i don't have much to offer uh, you know if you're worried that somebody's going to be stealing your art other than that happens anyway. If you make anything interesting, people are going to try to imitate your style. Yeah. But that doesn't mean much. Like, for instance, Sam does arts on Instagram. He's got like two million followers now or something. He exploded in the last few years. And his art is incredibly good. He's got a sweet, accessible style and solid fundamentals. And he's great. He does wonderful stuff. And you see thousands of people on Instagram trying to be him. Mm -hmm. um, but none of them are, and yeah. that's the interesting part, is that 
he's got the skills and he pulls this style off just right yeah. such that you can immediately spot the imitators because none of them are as good. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I found with my own work is that as soon as I got kind of a distinctive look and theme and style and stuff, a lot of people tried to imitate it and none of them quite pull it off that well. Yeah. Um, and that's supposed to be encouraging because if you're making your own work and you're doing something that you love and it's what you're passionate about, people can't really imitate that. They're gonna be just a not as good copy of your stuff. And I mean, it's also in there again, is that thing, bring it back to story, mm. is that even when you do influence people and you see a new wave of artists copying a particular artist style, mm -hmm. we look at those and the first thing we think is, yeah, but it's totally a Sam Yang like mm -hmm. ripoff. Right. Um, they totally copied Lowish. Right. And that story is still with them. So even when people are, you know, copying, replicating, imitating, it, it's almost, there's almost like a negative modifier on it. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, that shortcut was taken and it looks good, but they have this negative of, mm -hmm. but, and we kind of shoot it down. And I think that that will be happening with this stuff as well, that, you know, even if there are people generating, even if it, if say the AI gets smarter and these, these replicas are closer that we start generating stuff more easily that actually looks like the artist stuff mm -hmm. which is a bit scary i have to admit that's that one troubles me a little bit um but it's it's never going to be that artist's thing mm -hmm. and that will continue to give value to the original artist in some mm -hmm. ways maybe even more there'll mm -hmm. be more support for that person and like more prestige around them because it's made them exclusive ex exclusive mm -hmm. and that's always been like a good thing and for artists when their work becomes like valued like that mm. so i don't yeah. know it's an interesting one i will say that um that one does i think i think that's going to be okay that one does trouble me sometimes when mm. i see it spit out like there was as an example as I, I was just testing different artists yesterday using a scene from my story so uh Chiyum is like a little tropical village on the sea and i was just putting different artists in to see how it you know i mean a lot of these artists that don't paint anything like that just interested to see what it does when it's two completely conflicting prompts and I put in Abigail Larson mm -hmm. and she is a wonderful artist if you don't know her you have to look up her work she's another one who's influenced a lot of people who kind of like mimic her style and stuff which is great and she is known for these very creepy but almost Disney-esque very slender witchy kind of occult figures and stuff kind of cartoony um, they're really lovely, really elegant. And so you mix that with a <laughs> tropical village seaside thing. And it was, that was uncanny to me because I got my tropical village and it was just covered in these like black <laughs> slender shapes and everything's yeah. like dripping. And I was like, I could have known without looking yeah. at it that that was supposed to be Abigail Larson, even with like an entirely different yeah. prompt. Um, so that that one, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a usable piece of art. So that that's got to go going for it. But it can be when someone's got distinctive style, it can be quite uncanny. I think that's <laughs> why, like, anytime we put in Roberto Ferri, who's a <laughs> wonderful figurative artist, but no matter what you put in there, it's weird and fleshy, because because uh, all he paints is pretty much figures, yeah. and so everything's just like kind of fleshy. You put a building in there, it's like kind of a fleshy <laughs> building. So uh, He's very famous for like this kind of stuff yeah, where you like, like the fingers sweet. dimpling and like, and yeah. like, so it's just like, bleh. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> oh yeah, they're it's great. always entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, that one's an interesting one. Yeah. And I do think there are going to be some interesting legal 
arguments happening at some point. Yeah. Um, so for that reason alone, be careful about how you use the tool. Don't form a career around just spitting out images. Yeah. Um, be careful if you are using other artists. Uh, so for instance, Disco Diffusion is really, really good at mimicking artists, as mm -hmm. we found. Um, I would encourage you to play with the settings in such a way that it doesn't just copy the artists. Mm -hmm. And so I've been, as I've been playing with it, I found that it will change like the edge quality or the way they handle shadows or something, but it doesn't look like the right. artist's work. Um, yeah, there are ways of using it without just like trampling other people's yeah. over other people's. Or at least use artists that are so like so far yeah. gone that they're like public domain at this point. Yeah, because um, you can put in a lot of like classic master painters and they're amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, we started putting in Sargent and Soroya and they're just like, oh my god, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at least do that if you're scared. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I mean, we we are people are scared about this stuff with like good reason. I fully fully empathize. Um, it is scary when you've invested so much of yourself mm. into getting good at something and then something comes up underneath you and makes it feel redundant. Mm. Um, that is scary. Um, but I would, I would say be careful that you're not crossing into gatekeeping. Mm. It's very easy to do. And the thing is, when we hear the word gatekeeping, it's so easy to think of, like, you just think of other people who have something that they don't want other people to have and they're tyrants, they're mean, and it's like so easy to picture that. But very rarely, when we say gatekeeping, do we imagine ourselves defending like ourselves and our friends and our peers against something that we've earned being taken away. But that is, that is what it is. It's being on the other side of it. Um, mm. If we're against gatekeeping, we have to kind of check our behavior and make sure that you know, if we are resisting this stuff, that's OK. And we'll probably talk more about that in a minute. Mm. Um, you don't have to get on board with this, nor do you have to like, love that people are doing it. But I think that it's a good thing. It's, there are so many good things that can come from this. There's going to be a lot of people who, for whatever reason, couldn't make art yeah. that will now be able to. Not even talking about the people who are just pumping out prompts, but the people who are using this to make better artwork. Yeah. That is such a wonderful thing. It's such a wonderful thing. That, you know, it might cut the corner off of like a graduated student who lives at home with their parents and is miserable and depressed and like has a terrible relationship with their parents and mm. you know a person like that might have to stay at home for five years while they study to get to a professional level where they can leave home with stuff like this someone like that might be able to get to a professional quality in like six months and there are so many good ways that this can be used it's not just going to be people who haven't put in any work dominating the market there's mm. going to be nuance to how people are using it and as much as there are like scary cases where people are like, you know, doing stuff and it doesn't feel fair, there's going to probably be 10 people who are doing it in a really genuine, honest way who have always wanted to do something like this and are finally getting the opportunity to do it. Mm. And I think the key is with stuff like this, when we get freaked out by progress, we tend to attack people doing it. We tend to shoot people down for trying. Uh, we do our best to destabilize delegitimize what they're doing to protect our own, the thing that we're creating. Mm. Um, and it is understandable. Um, and I don't think that you should just roll over and let people do something if it's not fair, far from it. Mm. But I think that there is a way to harmonize because there is gonna be a group of people who really like benefiting from this. Mm. Like, I mean, even myself, I am writing a novel and years before I chose to write a novel, I desperately wanted to write a graphic novel. Mm. Like for my whole life, I've wanted to make some kind of graphic novel, illustrated novel. 
And it was with a really broken heart that I said, I just do not have it in me to do that. I would not be able to. I wouldn't enjoy the process. Mm. Um, it's way too much like concept art and repetition and stuff. And I just like doing like big format paintings. It's not going to happen. And that was a really sad thing. And I've held on to it, even though like it was about four years ago now that I decided it had to be a novel. Mm. Um, and I still held on to it because I just wanted it so much. But I had to say I couldn't. And now for the first time, I'm saying, what if I could? <laughs> and that is amazing. Like, how cool is that? So, yeah, I think there is there's a way for both to exist. And it doesn't need to be hurting people who are just trying to use this stuff honestly. That like there is some really cool, good stuff that can come from people using things like this. Um, and that might actually segue really nicely into our last section, which is like what to do if you don't mm. want this stuff, if you still don't like it. And that is so understandable. Like you do not have to get on board with everything. Um, you have every right to be uncomfortable with it, to think that it's a step too far, like whatever it is. Um, we're not here to tell you that it's right or that you're wrong for not thinking it's right and all that stuff. We're just trying to boil down our thoughts, which are spread out and... <laughs> all kinds of confused, but I fully acknowledge and respect that there are going to be people who are just like, I still don't like it. And I'm mm. like, more power to you. Um, so I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about how you can navigate that well, how you don't need to be threatened by this, how you don't need to be trampled by it, ways that you can ensure that your work lives on, even if other people are doing this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, do you mind if I launch straight into that? Yeah. Want to, yeah? yeah, cool. So I think the first thing is, as I mentioned earlier, I keep going on about story, but there's going to be a reason why this doesn't sit right with you. Um, and that's going to be a very personal thing. And there will be different reasons why it doesn't sit right with you. And I encourage you to hone in on that because you will not be the only one who thinks that. And make that part of why you make art the way you do. Uh, I think it's important to be very specific about it because I think someone who just grumbles that, mm, AI sucks, usually isn't well received. Uh, but if you can say, I don't support the use of AI in making art, or I don't personally use AI in my art, because my favorite thing about art is the length of time that went into making it. I love every single brushstroke. And to me, using something like that to cut corners would you know, ruin the best bit of making art. And that's absolutely fine, and that's great. Um, just be specific and make that part of your story. Make sure that your art really leans into the reasons why you aren't using it versus just kind of grumbling about people using it. Mm. Um, I think that's a really powerful way to, to kind of counteract it. Um, I'm doing a lot of talking. I keep looking over at you like <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm like not dominating, like steamrolling. Um, I think also a good way to do this is to just focus on what AI is bad at because it's not good at everything yet. Um, there are a lot of things it can't do and a really smart thing to do to make yourself stand out in the sea of people who are going to be trying it out is to go the other way like make something that AI can't make like lean into painting specific objects humans like all the stuff that it really can't do yet get really good at that and you'll like always stand out for that um, so that's a that's a way do you got any other ways yeah I mean I think just in general pushing the same fundamental skills, I don't think they're going to go away. They're going to be timeless and useful no mm -hmm. matter what. Um, sure, some st 
stuff does kind of fade out in how useful it is. Uh, like perspective. Perspective is not as useful as it used to be. Because perspective used to be the only way you could draw an <laughs> image in perspective. Nowadays, you can open up Blender and have perspective in three seconds. True. And you can just trace that onto your image and you're done. Um, like there are skills that were more useful than they are now. But at the same time, there's a lot of fundamentals of art that haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. And they're just as important as they were 500 years ago. And I think they're going to stay important. Um, learning good figure drawing, good values, good composition, um, all that stuff is still going to be really useful. Um, because it's, at the very least, going to give you a good tasteful eye for what looks good and what doesn't. And that alone can be pretty useful. Um, even if it's as simple as picking out which AI things are going to look the best or, you know, giving it the right prompts to give it, you know, get the best results, um, whatever it is, learning those fundamental skills is still useful. When I hear people that are getting scared off from studying and practicing because they're worried that AI is just going to destroy art, I get really sad because I love when people make art. I think it's great. And I think if anything, all of this stuff is just going to mean more people get to make art, which yeah. is super cool. I'm really sad that more people don't just sit around and make art. Um, you know, once they get past eight years old, they stop making art. And that's, that's kind of sad. sad. Um, and it would be super cool if adults could suddenly make their own art now. Yeah. And I think that'd be a blast. Um, I'm pretty excited for everything. I think so. I think there's, just, there's gonna be so many people who think of like authors who don't have the visual skills that we have, can't see things in their mind the way we do. And, you know, like I said, they're not going to be the kind of people that would hire an artist to do that necessarily. But now they might actually be able to start generating things that might make the stories better. It's like mm. it has so much potential to, to bring value into the world, I think. And the thing is, it's not going anywhere. Mm. And that's really painful when you sit around debating stuff like this. Is it fair? Is it right? Like, what's, what's the deal? It, it's not, it's going to keep going. Like, we don't have the power to change that. If we say we don't want to use it, there will be other people using it. And I think the best thing to do is rather than attack those people is to try and see how to ride with the wave, whether you're using it or not. Like, how are you going to move with it rather than just like be crushed against it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think a big part of that is just seeing the good it can do and respecting the good it can do as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this also ties back to what we were saying last week, and so we should like, if you didn't see that, I recommend you see the last one, so episode 13 about mm -hmm. don't be just an artist. And this is so relevant, this mm -hmm. whole like, if all you are doing is making cool images, this stuff is gonna be really <laughs> threatening to you because it makes really cool images. Right. But if you are bringing other parts of yourself into it, you have much less to fear. If it's your story or your like personality, um, if you are just, or like, you know, wider skill base, if you were bringing that into your art, you have much less to fear than if all you were doing is making cool images. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now more than ever, I think it's so important to to bring yourself into your work where possible, and to hone in on that why as well. Not to just you know mindlessly make art or copy popular trends, mm -hmm. but really get clear on why you are doing what you do. Like what is it that you connect with in your work? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key to to riding this gracefully, whether you go with it or against it. You just have to be really clear on the why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. 
cool. I think, I think that's, that's all I have to say on it. That's I think all I got. So. But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I think you're doing a video as well, aren't you? So yes. we, we're both going to be putting out videos, hopefully this week, mm -hmm. where we show the breakdown of this process, how we've been using it independently. So be sure to check our channels to see those. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I think that's kind of it. So yeah, just to summarize, I hope that this has been like interesting. I hope it's been like hopeful for you. Yeah. I hope soothing in some ways. Um, I think that the two can peacefully coexist even if you don't love it. I think mm -hmm. that it doesn't need to ruin everything. Yeah. Um, if you were on the fence about trying it, I hope this prompts you to try it. it. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, have a play. Uh, just, yeah, it's a tool. and. Don't be your own worst enemy. Like, give it a try. It's it's fine to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you soon. Yeah.